Welcome to the Akashic Reading Podcast, presented by AkashicReading.com, the place where you can learn to access your soul's wisdom, or at least stop digging the hole any deeper. I'm your host, Terry Uktena, and today we'll be taking a more detailed look at what a personal Akashic room is and how to use it. The majority of Akashic explorations any person, adept, or novice will undertake will be in public spaces, because they aren't taught about anything else. The Akashic Library is a major destination spot as it's best known of anything or any place in the Akashics, and holds so much that is relevant and translatable into embodied life. But there's also the Temple of Life and the rest of the Akashic City, the Realm of Mentors, the First Forest, the hedge maze, the fields of personal endeavors, the villages and homes of beings in all of their splendorous diversity, and so much more. Exploration in any of these can teach us about ourselves, and many of these journeys are guided in order to be specifically relevant for us and our becoming. In all this, there are very few places in the Akashics which are unique to each individual soul. However, each person does have a room of their own, a place where only they can go, unless they give permission for others to join them. This is the room which I have my students first encounter in their journeys to the Akashics. Most students simply see this room as a landing pad, an aspect of the Akashics which is generic in its construction, like a hallway or a foyer. They note it in passing, accept what items it has in it as generic to the space, and move through it as quickly as possible to get to their actual goal. What they rarely note, unless they're reading student posts in the class forum, is each room is as unique as the student who uses it. Each one, while having the number of doors which I indicate in the meditations, and having them oriented in the directions I point, is both a portrait of the individual in the moment, as well as a place where the Akashics can highlight what is most important for the individual to know, or recognize, or learn. It's one of the easiest places for a student to figure out what is blocking them from achieving a goal, seeing the patterns in their lives, self-created or situational, and where their path is pointing them, or even where it begins. It contains level upon level of information to answer the question, why, about any aspect of our lives. It contains very specific information concerning what can be done next, what would be in our best interest, and what does it all mean. I find it ironic, therefore, that most people don't even stop to look around, let alone explore. Some students' rooms never change. They are a comforting place which matches their concept of the perfect room, and each visit allows the person to relax and enter more fully into the Akashic experience. For a notable few, the room becomes the goal of the Akashic journey, and they don't move far from it for weeks or months, because there is so much there to learn and take in and become. For them, the room changes each time sometimes changing furniture or color scheme or construction, sometimes playing out a series of events like episodes of a TV show, 
each session another piece of the story arc, each picking up exactly where the last left off. What is important to know is nothing in an individual's room is accidental or without meaning. Each item, each color, each window shape, each lighting fixture is a message, is part of the conversation they enter into when they work in the Akashics. I have seen rooms which were like something out of a romance novel. Wood floors, heavy Tudor wood furniture, red velvet and silk everything, tapestries and heavy scents, and luxury everywhere you look. In other rooms, things can be almost bare, except for whitewashed wood floors, light blue walls, and windows open with flowing white sheer curtains blowing in the breeze. Some rooms are furnished with multiple seating areas for various purposes, including chairs in front of a fireplace, formal dining room tables, and reclining couches, while others appear to be stone cottages like you would find in Ireland or parts of England. The room matches the person, but it's important we be careful not to link the room's appearance too tightly to their personality, like some kind of psychological test. Each person's Akashic room can and does serve a variety of purposes at any given time. It most definitely reflects the personality of the individual, but it also reflects things in their life which are less essential. The room can be offering a message rather than reflecting personality traits. It might be responding to needs of the moment, to burning questions which we've been holding on to, or trying to get us to acknowledge things we've been saying, I'll get around to it, about for too long. I've not yet found a room that presents a round to it to its person, but this doesn't mean it hasn't happened, or perhaps it just hasn't happened yet. Some rooms are sarcastic, and several I have encountered have wicked senses of humor. So when working with your Akashic room, take note of what you see, or note if you have difficulty seeing things, and start to spend time acknowledging what it has to say and what it provides. One of the secret facets of these rooms is the changes can be dramatic, such as when the room is presenting a message, and once this is received, the room changes completely to display a different one. Another secret is the changes can be very subtle. I've watched students who return to their rooms often, and each time one small thing has been added. One thing might have been moved or subtly changed in color, the lighting has shifted, all of which is significant but easily missed if the person isn't looking for it. Everything about an Akashic object is communication, from the color to the size, from the place where it is found, to the way in which it is interacting with its surroundings. Beyond this, each object has a wealth of information about itself to impart. For instance, a fireplace in a room has a great deal to say just from a visual standpoint. The size, style, condition, and status, such as lit or unlit, have meaning. Touching the mantle or the hearth will allow conversation to start unspooling. The item can contain potential for things to come, or it may be holding space for things in progress. 
A fireplace is usually about our own well-being and happiness, that which supports us and where we connect with community, love, and relationship. Each item in an Akashic room is not only symbolic, but informational. This is easiest to experience when working with smaller objects you can hold. Picking up an object such as a vase or a picture enters you into a conversation with it. Focus on it in your hand for any amount of time, and it will begin unfolding depths of information like entering a page in a soul book. It will begin connecting with you and explaining why it is there and what it means to you. I think of this type of communication like sponges. They seem little and insignificant when they are dry. But add a bit of water and they expand and expand and expand, becoming something completely different and much more relevant. Furniture in a room works the same way if we pay attention to it. Just sitting on it doesn't activate anything other than its nature to hold you, but looking at its structure, the fabric, the wood, the metal, and touching it intentionally will activate the information. The same with structures, such as a fireplace or the windows. Students sometimes seek to create quick or surface-level labels for things in their room and move on. For example, this represents my sister... This is my work. This means I'm struggling with finances. The quick labeling of things allows for a feeling of competency and control, because once we have named a thing, we think we know all there is to know. However, just as you are a complicated and complex being with many facets, which are constantly in movement or in the process of developing, your room reflects this complexity and depth. Each item, when touched, will begin to unfold the wisdom, meaning, and interconnectivity it holds. A cursory inspection of any room will provide a wealth of surprises and access to transformative insights. In the Akashics, working with items is exactly like a conversation. You are as much a part of things as the item, not a passive recipient unless you choose to be. Just like any other conversation, Sometimes the party talks slowly, sometimes in a convoluted manner, sometimes too fast, sometimes above our head, and so on. So if things are not quite in sync, you can ask for a change. If you can't understand what is being imparted, you shouldn't assume this is for some purpose, any more than the confusing nature of the directions a friend gives you has a purpose beyond frustrating you. More than likely, the item is assuming certain information is already known, or you might just be missing something in the process. A quick follow-up question will resolve the matter. Akashic rooms have other qualities, which can be handy for the Akashic student or explorer. Most people exploring the Akashics feel like they themselves are a visitor instead of remembering that this is their home. They feel like a stranger in a strange land everywhere they go within it. So when they consider working with beings in the Akashics, they think traveling to where those beings reside is what's required. Once a student becomes comfortable with their room, it can serve as a home base and a place where they can invite Akashic beings to come and interact. 
It can be a great place to meet and work with guides or healers, to work with animal guides or totems, or to request a mentor in some specific aspect they're working with. Providing hospitality and having a familiar place can be efficacious in working with these beings as well as being able to relax and more fully participate in the conversation and learning. As beings can only enter the room with the individual's permission, it can provide privacy and comfort, which is especially helpful when dealing with emotionally difficult subjects. One thing to remember is beings in the Akashics are much like embodied people and should be treated with the same level of respect. Just as you wouldn't summon a friend to your house and demand of them that they pay concentrated attention on you to the exclusion of all else and then leave when dismissed, please don't attempt to summon Akashic beings. It's respectful to invite them or request their presence, and when or if they arrive, it's good to remember they too have lives and do not exist solely to cater to your needs. Saying the magic words please and thank you is also a good policy. There is so much the Akashics can help us unfold and explore if we're willing to take the time and open ourselves to the experience. Your room in the Akashics is your own personal workspace. What adventures will you find there? And that's all the time we have this week. Next week, we'll be looking into how to expand our interconnectedness beyond just human beings. If you're interested in knowing more, check out my website, akashicreading.com. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please take a minute to rate it five stars on iTunes. Your comments are also appreciated. Thanks. Bye.